Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Manny Sanchez, and this is your weekly download, a podcast offering you the best information, news, and insights straight from Harrisburg University. So we have some exciting news with our podcast. It's now available on both apps for iPhone and Android. All you have to do is search your weekly download, and you can listen to this anytime. And please make sure you do. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button and listen so you don't miss anything uh, from our podcast or anything that's going on at the university. Next week, April 27th through May 3rd, we have our Agile training here at Harrisburg University. Uh, training in courses such as Agile Scrum 101, Professional Scrum Master, Professional Product Owner Certification, and all the prices are available on the website at agilesummit.harrisburgu.edu. That's A-G-I-L-E-S-U-M-M-I-T dot harrisburgu dot edu. And those events are going to be taking place leading up to the Agiline Summit on and through on uh, May 1st. So the tracks uh, for that event are going to be Agiline Projects and Teams, Agiline Transformation 1, Agiline Transformation 2, Portfolio and Enterprise Agile. And again, all the information, the registration details, the pricing can be found on agilesummit.harrisburgu.edu. May 4th, we have the PA TechCon event an all-day event promoting the education of Commonwealth employees, the future of government technology, interaction with technology leadership, the vendor community, and various supporting organizations. Now, this is brought to you by the Technology Council of Pennsylvania, PA.gov, and of course, Harrisburg University. And if you'd like to attend this, you can register at patechcon.com. So this week on the podcast, I had the opportunity to speak with Alan Mitchell uh, during our Smart City Summit. And if you weren't able to attend, you can view some of the presentations that were live streamed at livestream.com forward slash HU live. So Alan has over 30 years of experience in working for and with government organizations and agencies in various capacities, including development, or excuse me, including developing e-government e-service solutions, conducting service reviews and program and in introducing program and service-based budgeting, to name a few. Over the last 20 years, Alan has specialized in the development of program service models for mapping out the business of cities and local authorities. In this capacity, Alan has worked with approximately 40 cities across Canada and internationally in support of various transformation initiatives. So be sure to follow us on all of our social media, facebook.com forward slash HarrisburgU, Twitter at HarrisburgU, and our university website, www.harrisburgu.edu. So here it is, my conversation with Mr. Alan Mitchell from the Smart City Summit. So today my guest is Mr. Alan Mitchell, the Executive Director of KPMG Cities Global Center for Excellence. Alan, how are you today? I'm good, thank you, Manny. Great. So before we get into the, the meat of the interview here, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, where do I start? Um, first, I guess, uh, probably spent 40 years working with and for cities. Uh, started my career off as a planner and a city planner. And then over the years, my geography background got me into things like uh, geographic information systems, um, helping out with uh, development tracking systems for cities, uh, getting into uh, data and analytics, also enterprise architecture, stuff like that. Um, more recently, it was actually putting together models of the business of the city, 
we created something about 20 years ago called the municipal reference model. And that model actually describes the city's business by first understanding the services that cities provide. And from that model, we've been able to <coughs> apply it to all sorts of weird and wonderful things, including smart cities. So for all of our listeners who unfortunately weren't able to attend the uh, Smart City Summit today, can you give us a, the highlights from your presentation today? Right, sure, happy to do that. So there's a lot of questions in everybody's mind as to what a smart city is. And so I started the discussion off by actually putting people back on their heels for a moment by asking them the question, who determines smartness? Um, and what are the elements of a smart city if we understood that better? Um, so by raising those questions, it started the, the audience to start to ruminate as to what they wanted a smart city to be. Um, and that was the, uh, one of the key or pivotal uh, points in my, my discussion. The next thing is for them to understand that a smart city is comprised of many different types of solutions. Um, cities are very complex in the services that they offer. And for each service, there's opportunities to apply smart innovations. Um, <clears throat> when you understand those services, when you understand the innovations, and you bring those together, you can actually come up with a fairly solid business case for where you should make your uh, investments in smart cities. And so coming away from all of this, um, make sure that you make the right investments, make sure you take on that first project with success, uh, that you get a good return on your investment. And then finally, I finished up with uh, some key lessons learned. Uh, what things should you avoid, um, having clear objectives, and so on. So the beginning of your presentation, did that stem from the uh, the ELIT presentation you did in 2015? Um, I got to see a short clip of that in the beginning, and uh, one of the things you said was, in whose eyes are we measuring whether a city is smart or not? Right, so th that that's interesting. I believe that was the presentation in India that that um, I did in front of an audience of uh, folks that were interested in moving Modi's government's uh, 100 smart cities forward. And uh, they asked me to speak on the topic. And, and so, uh, yes, I, I wanted them to actually challenge themselves. Um, I wanted them to actually understand that smart cities are in the eyes of the beholder. Mm -hmm. So do you feel that you know, as demographics change, as, as we move forward as a society, that there's going to be a bigger push for smart cities, uh, excuse me, a bigger push for smart cities, and uh, they're going to become more relevant? I think, uh, yes, and um, it, it may or may not be because of the new generation's thinking as much as there's a, a cry from the public for our cities to be smarter. So one of the elements that I'm trying to prescribe is that cities need to become more efficient and effective. Um, cities have a difficult time from one year to the next. The cost of their salaries and benefits increases, um, and that's without actually changing uh, any of the services that they provide. So they actually want more money year after year. But council members and uh, elected officials deny that from happening. They, they don't want to see budgets increase, because if budgets increase, then they've got to go back out to the taxpayer to ask for more money. Mm -hmm. So you need to find creative solutions that are, are going to try to address that without disrupting your current service levels, and that's where smart technology, smart solutions comes into play. So in regards to being efficient and effective, what, what in your opinion is one way that a city or one thing a city can start doing today um, to help propel them to become you know, a smart city in the future? Right. So 
Uh, let me tell you of the example of, let's say, pet licensing. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple service. Um, the first challenge that most members of the public would have is that they know they have to renew their pet license. They've received something in the mail. Uh, but they don't know where to go. So when they go onto the website, uh, they can't find which department mm -hmm. delivers that service. And uh, so one of the things to do is to reverse this all around and make sure that on your websites uh, for the public, you actually show that there is a need for pet licensing mm -hmm. um, up front rather than hidden behind the organizational structure. So that's the first step. The second step is, okay, well, let me get an uh, online application form so I can actually uh, print it off, fill it out manually, and send it back to the right department. That's a second evolution. The third evolution is, why don't I fill in the form electronically mm -hmm. and then push it back uh, to the city and then they can continue to process it. The last one is, don't fill in a form. Fill in the database that the city actually maintains with the information and automatically pay for that mm -hmm. at the same time and get physical fulfillment online. And so that's an evolution of, of uh, automation just with one simple service on pet licensing. Mm -hmm. Imagine doing that for all of the services the city provides. Right. So for cities that, you know, are developing, how how do we how do we address that? You know, for for cities that may not have a big budget or, you know, that are still a little behind the times here. So that's the big challenge. Mm -hmm. Where do you get the money to pay for this? Uh, what we find is that other governments are starting to realize that if we make our city smarter, then they'll in fact be more effective and if they're more effective, we will as well. So uh, state and federal governments are, are providing smart city funding. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one way of getting over that hurdle by applying for that and successfully getting that to, to reach out. Um, but in addition to that, it, it does take money to actually save money. Mm -hmm. So this is the, the rub. How do you actually get the money to save the money? you need to actually make a compelling argument. And sometimes you actually need to work with the public. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to work with educational institutions, universities, to actually get them to provide the labor, so to speak, to move that innovation forward. And then implementation of that is cheaper, uh, more successful, and uh, clearly it's more collaborative. So right. it's a win-win for everybody. Right. Yeah, in, in the public sector, you know, they, they, they really push for collaboration and transparency and things like that. And I see that as, you know, being a big, a big proponent of, you know, the, uh, the whole process there is that getting the public involved in governance and, you know, seeing, seeing how things can work collaboratively. That's correct. So the public is so important to all of this. Um, my definition of smartness actually is predicated on the public mm -hmm. perceiving that we've done smart things. Um, if we don't achieve that, then we're no better off than we were in the past. Um, and so what we're trying to do here is to actually um, be collaborative <coughs> so that we understand what the public wants from us and then work towards achieving those goals. Because right. that all goes back to then the, um, the quote you had is how are we measuring whether a city is smart then. Exactly. Yeah. So in your, your years um, as a working professional, what, what's one project that was, that was very challenging for you and how did you overcome that? So one of the biggest uh, challenges when I was working with what's called the Economic Cities Authority in Saudi Arabia, uh, where King Abdullah had passed this edict that every service that the city provided needed to be provided within one hour. 
Um, what he was essentially saying is that all regulatory services like building permits, business licenses, or even pet licenses, uh, that upon application, one hour later, that would be fulfilled. Well, that's almost an impossible task. Because in behind the scenes, what invariably happens is that your application is then looked at. Uh, it's queued up first, and it may queue there for a, a period of time. And then after it's taken from the queue and people start to review it, they see where there are elements that are compliant or non-compliant with the laws and regulations. And so it's that process that we had to automate. Mm -hmm. And what we realized is that we couldn't do that within any one of the four economic cities. We needed the assistance from the public, uh, from, sorry, the private sector to actually do that review for us. Um, and so there was um, a, a tough nut to crack. How do you take those lengthy, time-consuming processes out of a service and push it out to the private sector to provide them and then get the results back that uh, effectively achieve that goal of, of every service being delivered within one hour. Right. You would almost think that would take a small army to, to accomplish exactly. something like that. <laughs> yes. It takes a lot of leadership and yeah. commitment, um, a lot of uh, technology in behind it, of course, but just the innovation that had to be uh, brought to bear was, was quite an exercise. Absolutely. So as we wrap up here, is there any final things you'd like to say to our listeners about smart cities, uh, one thing they can take away with them from the, the podcast today? Yes. If, if there's one thing I want you to take away, it's, it's that a smart city needs to be defined by you. And by you, you're the listener. Yeah. Um, you need to define what a city that would be smart would look like. And you need to let the city actually know what you're thinking. In other words, share with them your thoughts on what constitutes smartness. And from there, they can actually start to affect that change. Great. So this has been your weekly download. I'm Manny Sanchez. Alan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Manny. And